Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. And uh, if you've been following along, you know I've got all kinds of resources on that website. We've got hundreds of radio shows with interviews from people all over the world talking about how God has impacted them and then how God is using them to impact others. And really that's, you know, Jesus Christ said the greatest commandments are these, love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do as Christians. We're trying to do the best we can to love God and love others. And so uh, we've had some fantastic guests on the show re recently. We uh, recently interviewed uh, the co-author of uh, Contested Bones, Christopher Roop, which was an incredible show. I loved uh, talking to Chris. And um, we've got his co-author on the show today, Dr. John Sanford, uh, along with Bridget Heap. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is something that I think everybody knows is impacting the world. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. Uh, not everybody likes to talk about it, but it's something that is really important to talk about, which is not the, quote, sexual revolution, but actually the book that uh, was just authored by Bridget Heap and Dr. John Sanford is called The Sexual Holocaust, A, Gro a Global Crisis. And um, I can't imagine there's too many people out there who haven't been impacted in one way or another by the changes that have taken place in our culture uh, regarding to sec uh, regarding sexuality. And uh, so, uh, Dr. Sanford, I just want to thank you for uh, being on the program today. It's uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you, Bridget, also uh, for, for coming on. Uh, you put a lot of time and effort into this book. It's incredibly well documented. So, Bridget, thank you for, um, for coming on the program also. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, not too long ago, um, I've interviewed several people on these sorts of topics and uh, documenting the, the historical changes that have taken place in America in which, you know, there's these radical uh, changes. I remember when I was in high school, uh, there were things that we're dealing with today. I graduated in 1994, uh, and they were not even on the radar. They're, they're, these were not even issues that anybody even brought up. And yet today, it's out and out um, just everywhere. And so um, I'm just curious, uh, Bridget, what uh, prompted you to begin to um, – you know, work on a book like this and tackle it because it is a big, a big subject. Yeah. So, um, John Sanford had actually asked me uh, to help him with this project. And when he asked, I, I felt like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity because I'd always felt a burden to help protect both women and children to just stay, um, essentially safe, um, to stay healthy and to just protect them, um, you know, just physically and sexually. And so when Dr. Sanford, um, you know, just approached me and we had a conversation about, you know, would you help with this project? I was just really excited to help him um, just because I think the importance of being able to get this message out there to help people see the magnitude of what's happening. Um, it's, I think it's important that people can see that. And so I was just really excited to, to be able to be a part of a project like this. Did you know that we could be experiencing the worst global humanitarian crisis in human history? And most people don't know about it. Did you know that a majority of the world's population has been affected by this crisis? And we're not talking thousands or millions or even hundreds of millions of people. We're talking about billions of people being affected. It's difficult to imagine this many people affected by a crisis, but we can begin to understand by imagining what one billion people looks like. 
To give us a frame of reference, we can picture the inhabitants of North and South America. Together, these two continents are populated by just over one billion people. So how are people being affected by this crisis? Over one billion people are infected with a sexually transmitted disease. Over one billion women have been physically or sexually abused. Over one billion individuals are addicted to pornography. In the past generation, over one and a half billion developing humans have been intentionally killed. As you can see, the vast majority of the world's population has been affected by this crisis. They have become victims of a sexual holocaust. The sexual holocaust is a multi-dimensional global crisis stemming from unrestrained sexual behaviors that have resulted in profound harm to humanity. Over the past few decades, we have seen a global shift towards anything goes sexuality. Anything goes sexuality is not new, but it started to gain influence in the United States during the 1960s and 70s. This was an era when sexuality was liberated from traditional restraints. After just one generation, we can now see the profound effects of anything goes sexuality. Unrestrained sexuality has affected all aspects of our humanity, the physical, emotional, social, and spiritual. A single, unrestrained sexual behavior can simultaneously create physical, emotional, social, and spiritual harm. The physical harm is the easiest for us to quantify through biomedical data. The emotional harm, which is more severe and longer lasting than the physical harm, is harder to identify because we carry those scars on the inside. The social harm is often justified as part of human nature and individual rights and the spiritual harm is almost entirely ignored. These areas of humanity closely influence one another. Our perspective on sexuality profoundly affects our identity, our sense of guilt, and our definition of love. Our concept of identity, guilt, and love will affect our view on marriage, family, and children. The strength of our marriages, families, and childhoods affect how well we handle loneliness, rejection, and depression. Our emotional health will influence our actions and result in either fit or poor physical health. Our view of sexuality impacts the very fibers of society. If the sexual holocaust is the worst humanitarian crisis in human history, what are we doing about it? Until recently, not nearly enough. It's time we change that. Here are three ways that we can reverse this crisis. First, change should start with the individual. We are all responsible for our actions. We all need to learn how to appropriately restrain our sexuality so that we can live healthy lives. We need to be aware of victimizers and learn how to protect ourselves against those who want to exploit us. Next, it's going to take both me and you working together to create change. We need to respect and protect each other. We need to encourage each other to act responsibly and to protect each other from victimizers. We also need to help victims of the sexual holocaust begin to heal. Most of all, we need to protect the weak and the innocent. Finally, we have to hold all institutions accountable. Public institutions should not be promoting unrestrained sexuality. Instead, they should be helping the victims. The media, educational systems, and the government are some of the most powerful influential victimizers. 
These institutions were meant for the public good, but instead, their agendas are systemically causing harm. These institutions need to be reformed and redirected. As we near the election, please vote carefully. There are those in our government who are promoting anything goes sexuality. Please do not let them continue to create more victims. Our global society has been ignoring the effects of unrestrained sexuality for the past few decades. It's time we wake up and see that the sexual revolution did not lead to sexual liberation. It led to a sexual holocaust. We need to rise up. It's time for us to come out of this darkness and step into the light. Okay, so there's the website for those of you listening or just tuning in, sexualholocaust.org. You can check it out. That's where the book is. And that's where um, there's more information about uh, what, what's uh, going on with the organization. Now, uh, Dr. Sanford, um, what was the impetus for you for, you know, starting this uh, book? And, and uh, where did the heart or the idea for the book come from uh, for you? Okay, so you know, my, um, my career has been science. And I've been involved in scientific apologetics for 20 years. And so a lot of people are saying, what's with this? It's, you're not talking about genetics, you're talking about uh, a humanitarian crisis. Um, there is an apologetic element to this because God and the Bible make it clear that we need to control our sexual uh, instincts and behaviors. And that if we don't, it leads to catastrophe. And that's exactly what we're witnessing. And so this is very much uh, an apologetic defending scripture and basically challenging the secular view of anything goes sexuality. So that's, that's kind of, why did, I get, uh, why did I invest in this painful topic? This is not something any of us want to think about. Yeah. Um, quite a few years ago, Josh McDowell presented to a very large audience his analysis of what's happening with pornography and the fact that even young children are being um, poisoned by the culture at very early ages, and that it, this is almost universal. Uh, in fact, as we've done the research, we found one of the statistics was um, only 10% of men in the world do not seek out pornography, just to put it in to understand how. Uh, universal this uh, pandemic is. Um, and so when I heard um, uh, the news about that, um, basically I was devastated for my grandchildren's sake. I, I, just, I just ached for all the children who are being corrupted uh, and abused uh, globally. And I just sensed that this was a very, this had to be addressed. And I realized that most of the world doesn't comprehend the scope and magnitude of this disaster, this great tragedy. So I think that uh, if, you, if you read the book, anyone who reads the book will grasp that this is the greatest humanitarian crisis in modern times. Uh, I, I think the only the only worst crisis would be the flood. That's how mm. that's how severe this is. It's devastating humanity, and not just physically, but um, but but emotionally, spiritually, and socially. So 
this, this strikes to the heart of humanity and it's, um, it has to be addressed. So we're, we're asking people to um, stand up against what's happening. And yeah. as this video clip shows, um, the, the new sexuality is being aggressively promoted by public institutions, schools, universities, uh, government, and massively the media. And so uh, those institutions were meant to help us, not harm us. And they need to be totally reoriented. So that's, yeah. that's, um, that's the, the, the essence of it. I'm gonna, um, I just like to say, I'm really grateful for Bridget. Um, I told her when we started this project, I said, this is a dark, dark thing. And I've actually had two other people start to help me. And then they say, I can't, this, this is too dark. And Bridget is uh, very strong in her faith and very courageous. And so she's, um, she's doing what many people won't do, and that is to examine and, and warn regarding what's happening. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm going to back off now and ask Bridget to... Uh, to, to be the, uh, the primary spokesman now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, um, I just want to reiterate basically what, you know, a lot of what you're, you've addressed in this book. Um, I, I got to interview uh, Dr. Judith Reisman, who uh, was going to court against things like Kinsey uh, with the sexual revolution, quote, the sexual revolution, and these sorts of things. And um, in San Diego here, I interviewed uh, District Attorney Summer Stephen, who fights against uh, sex trafficking. And so uh, there are huge issues, but a lot of times people can't connect the dots. They, they don't see it and they just think to themselves, well, you know, you, well what are you talking about a sexual Holocaust? Uh, you know, where, is, where is the pain that you're talking about? Um, and uh, so what would you say to somebody that says, um, where's the evidence for the sexual Holocaust? What, in your mind, Bridget, what are some of the biggest um, consequences or what's some of the biggest fallout from the idea that marriage is no longer, uh, you know, um, held within a monogamous relationship, but it, it can be before marriage, it can be during marriage, it can be, you know, what what's the biggest fallout in your mind when after doing all this research? Yeah, I so I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think what ends up happening is is we start to see that there's, you know, an effect from this kind of unrestrained sexuality or what we are calling anything goes sexuality. And so, you know, there's, there's a vast majority of, or there's a lot of effects that we can see. So things like, you know, sexually transmitted disease. Um, if you're not in a committed relationship, you know, you can experience loneliness. Every time you go in and out of a relationship, there's a sense of rejection. Um, you know, you don't have a stable family structure, then there's, there's no, uh, financial or emotional support, you know, socially speaking, um, from, you know, from the aspect of just spiritually speaking, there's this idea then that, you know, you don't have a concept of your own identity. You're kind of basing your identity on your sexuality, um, you know, being accepted through, um, your sexual relationships. And so you kind of have this distorted view then of, of who you are and what you, you know, how you become valuable as a human. It's no longer based on your humanity. It's now based on what you do with your humanity, you know, your sexuality, um, the praise and approval that you can get from others. 
And so what I think we end up doing in the world is I think we have a lot of these organizations that are doing a really good job at working to either end sex trafficking or to, um, you know, fight against abortion or to, to do this or to do this. But the problem is they are essentially trying to put a Band-Aid on the symptoms. They're not focusing on the main root of the problem. And the main root of the problem is anything goes sexuality. It's unrestrained sexuality. And so I think what Dr. Sanford and I are trying to do is to try to get everybody to just step back for a moment and say, instead of fighting this one little issue here, we can, we can try to fight the main root of the, of the problem. And we can start seeing then that when that starts to, in a sense, heal, or we can start fixing that, we're going to start seeing that all the rest of the symptoms can then start to be, um, we can start to get a handle on those things. And, and so at least that's the way that I see this. And so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily just, okay, my marriage individually, I have to work on that. Do I keep sex inside marriage or not? It's this concept then of, okay, there's a root behind my marriage and my sexuality and, you know, what I'm seeing outside of this are these effects and I'm either going to put a bandaid on it or I'm going to work on the root of the issue. And so that's what we're trying to just get people to understand is what the root of the issue is. Okay. And define that for us real clear for our listeners. The root of the issue is? Is unrestrained sexuality. So, um, and so when you, so, so um, Bridget, when you say the root of the problem is unrestrained sexuality. So um, tell our listeners then what is the opposite of unrestrained sexuality? What is it you're aim, you know, persuading people that is how sex should be handled? Right. So, um, you know, Dr. Sanford mentioned it a little bit earlier, the idea that, you know, um, our sexual drive is an instinct. Um, and so we're not saying that sex, our sexual drive is bad or negative or something that's wrong. Um, so I'm going to steal a, a C.S. Lewis analogy here for a second. Um, but C.S. Lewis gave an analogy about our instincts. Um, and what he did is he explained that our instincts are like piano keys. So if you sit down at a piano, none of the keys are in and of themselves bad or wrong. But when you go to play a song, any one of those keys can all of a sudden become wrong or bad if they're played at the wrong time or the wrong way. And so that's the same thing with our sexuality. If done in the right way or at the right time, if done appropriately, our sexuality is beautiful. It's a beautiful God-given thing. It works the right way. We can see long-lasting fulfillment from it. But the problem becomes if we use our sexuality inappropriately. Now, all of a sudden, it's like a note that's played, you know, inappropriately in a song. It, it jars us. There's something wrong. There's, it's harmful now. And so that's the idea behind the book is we've presented 126 pages worth of evidence to say, hey, wait a second, guys, we're seeing that there's all of this evidence from unrestrained sexuality that it's causing harm. It's not promoting this, you know, fulfillment that you think the sexual revolution was promoting. And a lot of people will say, um, and I've heard people say this, they say, they'll say, this seems to be in the news, it seems to be on the media, they'll say, um, to be monogamous is not natural. And uh, they'll say, hey, you know what, you're asking people to ask, act unnaturally. Um, uh, nobody has it naturally goes, oh, I just want to be with one person for the rest of my life. And uh, of course, even in the Bible, we see people like Solomon, uh, who had 700 wives, and you're kind of like, whoa, what was that all about? 
Um, so how do you respond to somebody who says, you know, this is not a natural thing to restrain your sexuality with one person for your whole life? Um, I think for me, I think the thing that I go back to is I'm naturally a very angry person. Um, but that doesn't mean it's right. Um, I have to, my, my poor kids know this, like mommy (laughs) anger, right? Um, so just because I'm naturally like that doesn't mean that I have a right to walk around being angry at people all the time. Mm. Um, same thing with our sexuality, just because we might feel something and that might be a natural instinct or drive or desire that we have doesn't mean that, that it's, it's right that we do that. Um, and I, I think what happens a lot of times is people think that, well, as long as I don't harm somebody else, then it's okay. You know, as long as, you know, you know, I'm choosing to have a sexual relationship with somebody and it's mutual, then, then that's fine. Um, you know, but what they, what they don't realize is that, you know, even in, in the idea of somebody saying, well, I have a natural desire to murder somebody, okay, in the extreme case, somebody would say, well, that's wrong because you're harming somebody, you know, and again, we, we just showed in 126 pages the idea that unrestrained sexuality promotes all of this harm in physical, our emotional, our social, and our spiritual health in all of those ways. So the idea that, um, you know, that we might have these instincts that we feel and they're completely, you know, natural in a sense, doesn't mean that we just should allow them to take place or should allow them to dictate our choices. It might mean that, hey, wait a second, in order to respect humanity, we are going to choose to restrain that because we know it's harmful. Mm. So, Kevin, can I jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... um, but uh, John, you you said you're you are just going to let Bridget talk from now on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. John. I said I better talk most of the time. You should talk. Good. Go for it. Go for it. So this idea of what's natural. Um, yeah. So basically, um, what's natural after the fall is not what was uh, purposed. Mm. And so, um, so we anger and lust and jealousy and all and just ungodliness these things are natural in our fallen state but they don't reflect our true nature or our true um nature as uh uh made in the image of god yeah and so there are aspects we all need to not only restrain but actually reject just utterly reject uh hatred or there's just so on so many levels this is clear when, if we only look at ourselves as animals and we compare ourselves to animals, and if we say, okay, if I act like a chimpanzee, now I'm being natural. That's yeah. <laughs> we were meant to be much more than a chimpanzee. Yeah. We we're meant to be holy. And that, that requires um, self-discipline and, uh, and a true desire, actually, to be clean before God. And that's, that's much better than any any type of sexual experience someone could seek. Yeah, and yeah. The unity between husband and wife in the Bible is, is meant to reflect the monogamy or the, um, the fidelity between God's people and God. Mm. And so when Amen. we talk about what's natural. Yeah, I know. Uh, I read recently that grizzly bear, uh, adult male grizzly bears will actually eat their own kids. 
And uh, boy, that's not that's a bad scenario if you want to talk about being natural. Goodness gracious. Chimpanzees um, so. <laughs> will do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, so so, so it, it's, we don't want to model ourselves after animals. Yeah. <laughs> we want to model ourselves after God. There you go. I like it. Yeah, you know, um, it's a huge issue because uh, here in San Diego, we have a, one of our schools actually has a daycare center with about 130 um, babies in it from teen moms who have gotten pregnant. And, and um, the studies I've done actually show that uh, the number one indicator of poverty is the age at which a teenage girl begins to parent a child. And so if you want to talk about a Holocaust and uh, the pain that's involved in uh, sex out of God's uh, boundaries, uh, that's, you know, that's crazy. Um, and so my question, I guess, for you, uh, Bridget is, you know, uh, it seems like things are getting crazier and crazier. And, um, if somebody said, yeah, you know what, I want to make a difference. I want to get involved. I want to, I want this to go in the right direction. Um, what would be some practical first steps for them? You know, they're listening and they're, they're thinking, yeah, I want to do something right. They buy the book, they read the book and, uh, what's next. Um, how do we begin to, um, be salt and light to our, our world. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, well, so Dr. Sanford and I were working on, you know, okay, what, what is the solution look like to this? And I think we want to tread cautiously because on one hand, every individual is going to, um, you know, kind of experience something different because sexuality is very personal. Um, you know, so, certainly somebody who is in the middle of the sexual holocaust is going to have to probably um you know obviously i think seek god's help with this and and their their path is going to look a little bit different than maybe somebody else who has a friend that might be in the middle of this or says yes i, I want to promote this um you know so that people can be healed so i think we do have to be very careful and loving in every situation um but i think to start off with, I think there are a few things that everybody can do. So I think, first of all, the biggest issue that's happening is we are, we are losing ground with morality. I think that we are in a culture today where um, anything goes because there's no standard for the appropriate way to treat each other. Um, and that, that includes anything but specifically sexuality in this case. And so I think if we can start to have that conversation again with people to say, hey, wait a second, there is a standard at which we should be treating each other and there's a right and wrong here. We can begin that conversation. I think that every individual, first of all, has to come to that realization and start living their life that way. Um, Christian, I think that's a little bit easier to be able to grasp because certainly, you know, I think the idea that, okay, you know, we have... God the Father who would be the moral lawgiver and he has given us these standards and we kind of see that. Um, I think that that's an easy step for them, hopefully. Um, but even in today's society, a lot of Christians don't really take the Bible at, the, at its word. You know, they, mm. that it's very old fashioned. Um, you know, it's just not really for today. And so I think that that's really where, especially a Christian might say, I really have to get to the point where I, I'm accepting what, God's standard is for sexuality. Um, and even for somebody who maybe isn't a Christian, the idea that they can say, you know what, I might not necessarily accept, you know, every um, standard that God has in the Bible, but I can respect the fact that we do have to treat each other respectfully and that there is a moral standard for us. So I think that's the first step is that everyone individually has to get there. Then I think 
as that happens, I think people can start promoting this idea to each other. I think the idea of just spreading the concept of what the sexual holocaust is, that communities gain that concept, um, then we can start promoting that together. So now as groups of people, families and communities start realizing like, okay, we have to live this way with each other in a community, respect each other that way, protect the innocent. Um, we have to hold victimizers accountable to this standard. Then I think we're gonna start to see a change. Um, and I think the last thing would be to hold institutions accountable. Um, and, you know, institutions are the most influential victimizers we have. They're educating our children. Um, they're controlling the media. Um, what institutions, ones, when, you, when you say institutions, what institutions are you specifically thinking about? Um, so college campuses are a big one. Um, there's college campuses where they have classes specifically on pornography. Um, so that's just one example. Um, so what, do you, what do you do in a situation like that? Because yeah, this stuff kind of stuff is rampant um, on it. And uh, w when I was talking to Summer Steven, uh, the district attorney here in San Diego, she said that pornography is essentially uh, a gateway drug to sex trafficking. That was her, her words. And um, would you agree with that? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think, you know, Dr. Sanford and I, Dr. Sanford says all the time that pornography is one of those things that just, it, it opens up the door to all of the other issues that we, you know, mentioned in the book. Um, and so I think what it takes is I think it just takes um, being relentless with the message that this is actually causing harm. So I think that you have to go to every door and every avenue at the college universities, through parents, through children. I think you just have to warn everybody and say, do you realize what you're actually doing, what you're actually promoting? And I think what I think when parents start realizing it, I think when students start realizing it, I think when fellow faculty start realizing it, when the college starts realizing it, and people have to be held accountable all of a sudden, that now they're the ones responsible for causing this harm. I think the message would start changing that now, oh, okay, yeah, we don't want to be responsible for the ones causing this harm. Um, and so I think that's, but, but it takes being relentless in that sense that you, you have to knock on all those doors and, and wave that flag and say, do you realize that this is what's happening? Because I don't think people see that big picture yet and how it's all connected. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think that, uh, like you said, people just don't connect the dots. Um, and uh, I was reading an article not too long ago, and it actually said that pornography is now um, being credited, like, like in divorce cases, people are actually pointing to pornography a lot as uh, the, the instigator of moving towards divorce in, in, for, for divorce lawyers. And when they ask, you know, why, why is this happening? Um, this was in the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers questioned 350 divorce attorneys and found that roughly 60% reported that internet porn played a significant role in the divorces with excessive interest in online porn contributing to more than half of such cases. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. Your book is so well uh, researched. Um, so do you think that this is a book that is for both um, Christians and uh, non-believers? Uh, would it appeal to somebody who is um, coming from a, a a non-religious or non-Christian perspective? Yeah, that was the intention of the book. We hoped to write it to the broadest audience that we could. 
Um, so certainly there is a spiritual section in the book, but you know, if you ask most people today, they consider themselves spiritual, just not necessarily religious. They might not identify with a particular um, religious you know, group. Um, and so the idea was, even though you know, Dr. Sanford and I wholeheartedly believe that, um, you know, that Jesus Christ is the way to be able to overcome this you know, through his, his work in a person's life, we do believe that people have a sense of morality because God gave that to them. Um, and so because all individuals are made in his image, that's a, a step in the right direction. And so, and even a non-believer can at least recognize that and say, okay, I see that all this is harm and I see that there's light. I see that there's something better and I want that. And so whether or not they agree um, with specifically, you know, where we might be saying where this light is coming from, I think they can see that even in the book um, from that standpoint. So, yeah. If you're listening today, uh, my guests, Dr. John Sanford and author Bridget Heap, and um, they've written a book, The Sexual Holocaust, A Global Crisis. You can check it out at sexualholocaust.org and uh, get the information. Um, personally, I think being equipped with this kind of information is so important and so valuable to being able to dialogue and move people in the right direction. Um, even here, again, in, in San Diego, in the San Diego City School District, one of the largest school districts in California, um, they've been trying to promote uh, using pornography in, in sixth grade sex education. It's unbelievable. And there's been huge, you know, fights over it. But when it all comes down, what we really need is we need hard evidence to be able to persuade people, especially people who aren't trusting in the Lord, um, you know, and, and don't trust the word of God, but to be able to give this evidence and say, look, you know, we can all agree that a child's life is valuable and that a uh, child should not be being exposed to this um, it's just going to ruin them. And so um, I think, you know, that's a huge deal. Uh, and and so when it comes to these sorts of issues, um, even things that are popping up that seem so foreign, like uh, the issue of pedophilia, um, in your book, you talk a little bit about this and how even that people are trying to normalize something as, as evil as that. Yeah. Um, I, I, and you know, our book isn't necessarily comprehensive, you know, so um, some people come talk to me a lot and they say, oh, did you know about this? And did you write about this? And, you know, we couldn't include everything in there. We just wanted to give the big picture and, sure. you know, as things progress too, it's like, oh, if, if we could just, you know, include that in there and help people to see how, how this relates in the big picture, you know, but we can't, but hopefully we can get the conversation going. And I think pedophilia is one of those things that, um, that's been gaining a lot of traction recently in the idea that people are trying to normalize it. So before people used to look at it as something as, okay, an individual who had those desires, that was a mental illness. They were, you know, predatory. But the idea that now that it's just a sexual orientation makes it normalized. And so, you know, as a parent, that makes me just incredibly shocked and fearful for the future for my kids, just the idea that people are trying to sexualize children. Um, and the idea that we're going to think that that's okay, that, you know, an adult could be having a sexual relationship with a child. That to me is one of those things that just, it still just blows my mind. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it just goes to show the the ground that the whole um like you mentioned earlier in, in the video i believe that um there's a loss of moral ground of, of moral standards and a lot of that has to do with the fact that um as the church we need to continue to uh share the good news of jesus christ and ultimately help people build a relationship with the lord but um yeah so so um and then uh dr sanford uh, the Feed My Sheep Foundation, you know, really, um, you've been doing that for a long time, and that's helped to do this. And this was kind of birthed uh, out of that organization uh, and, and what you put together there. Um, so are you doing anything else besides the book as far as are you, are you, do you have any plans in order to try to uh, move things forward in this direction and address these issues or, or build a kind of a coalition at, at all? Yes. So um, we would definitely like a coalition when we look at the, the nature of what we're up against, we're, we're up against actually power, we're up against powers and principalities. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and even just the earthly powers are lined up against us on a massive scale. So basically all Christians have to come together on this uh, because, um, because we're up against something that's almost in, inconceivable. Uh, without God's help, we're, we're toast, basically. Um, Feed My Sheep was originally started with uh, the concept of food for the soul. That is, even in the 90s when I started uh, Feed My Sheep, I knew that uh, the Internet was now presenting evil things to children. And my goal was to get kids unplugged or supervised so that they would, their innocence would be protected and so that they wouldn't be uh, poisoned by the culture. And so I still, we still hold to that. Parents have a huge role in deciding what kids have access to. And so um, it's, it's urgent that parents, teachers, anyone who's responsible and cares about humanity should come together on this. And, and so it, one thing that's really interesting is I've interacted with some Muslims from Egypt and uh, I've talked to three people, told them about this. All three of them were very interested in We have now translated this book into Arabic. It's wow. also being translated into Chinese. So we feel this is very much a global problem. And uh, we sense that a lot of America is numb to this. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world is much, I think, perhaps more aware of how devastating this is. So um, I, I guess I'd like to, uh, how much, actually, I don't know how much time we have left. But uh, we, have, we have between about five and ten minutes. We don't have a hard stop date, but yeah, about five okay. There's time. There's yeah. things I'd really like to say. One is um, when we decided to characterize all these different deviant sexual behaviors and these wicked behaviors like, like um, marketing human beings and that sort of thing. We decided to use a generic term, anything goes sexuality. The reason we did that is each group claims that they have special needs and that they're victims themselves and that the world hasn't treated them right. So you have people who are advocating for every type of sexual deviancy and they say, we're a special group, we need protection, we need affirmation. Well, actually, mostly we all need warning and we do not need affirmation, uh, except for the people who are trying to come out of the darkness into the light. 
Those are the only people who need affirmation. Everyone else needs warning. Mm. And so, so our, our institutions are teaching affirmation and they've got it totally wrong. We need to um, basically reward good behavior and uh, help people escape from uh, harmful behavior. So, so that's the first thing is this is a generic thing. This isn't about this group or that group and whether they have to be treated separately. We all have a problem with sexual immorality and without Jesus, none of us can overcome it. And so basically, Jesus is the answer. Um, there's three things in the Bible I'd like to point out that are very relevant to this topic. First one is Sodom and Gomorrah. In Sodom, uh, all the men were prepared to, uh, to sexually uh, assault the two angels. Think about that. Talk about evil. And they were not born that way. They learned that behavior. People, all people have a sex drive, but the way it's manifested is learned. And that's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what's happening today. And so uh, there's, there's, you know, this isn't about, um, so Sodom and Gomorrah speaks directly to what's happening today. Our culture is moving rapidly towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Secondly, uh, I just urge people to read Ezekiel chapter 33. It's about, uh, God says to Ezekiel, you will be my watchman and you must warn the people. And if you don't warn the people, their blood will be on your head. And so read Ezekiel 33, please, everybody. It speaks to today's situation. And thirdly, uh, I urge us all to carefully read Revelation 17 and 18, which is where the great prostitute, Babylon, uh, controls the whole world and, uh, and that all the people of the world have been intoxicated by her adulteries. And I think if you read that, you will see where we're headed and we're quite a ways along that road. And so what God has to say about that, a voice from heaven speaks to, uh, to this issue. And he says, come out of her, meaning Babylon, come out of her, my people, lest you suffer in her torment. Mm. And so uh, we need to be warned especially warn, we need to warn parents to protect their children. But we all have to come out of Babylon, which I believe is to reject this hypersexualized culture and basically um, shun all the evil that's growing around us and, 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 and pray that Jesus comes soon because, uh, we, because our children and grandchildren are going, we're going to be losing them to this evil culture. And so um, it's very, you know, the book was written in a, in a non, we didn't address Christianity because we wanted to reach all people with this warning. But it's very clear the answer is Jesus. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and Christians have to come together on this because it's, we're the ones, we're, we're the watchmen that God has said, you must warn the people. And so if we're ourselves in sin, that's a problem. And if we're indifferent to the world, then well, we've failed to do what God has asked us to do, which is warn the people. So those are, 
these are things that I think should um, burn in, in the spirit of every Christian person is, let's be praying, let's stand against the evil, let's speak in love, but let's speak the truth. And the truth is there has to be radical change yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I heard Josh McDowell speak on this uh, quite a while ago, and uh, he, I, I was surprised by what his statement, he said, um, I know of no greater uh, uh, detriment to a young person's faith than um, pornography at the time, is what he said. And I thought, I wonder why he said that. Why did he, why did he say that was so dangerous? But since then, I've noticed a pattern, and that is that I'm, I'm a high school teacher. I teach 12th grade uh, biblical apologetics. And I have a lot of young men who say, Mr. Conover, I really want to follow the Lord. I, I want to do what's right, but I can't seem to stop looking at this. And um, it's, a, it's like a, a, a web, right? And it, it, it uh, is very difficult for young people to escape. And even for a lot of parents, they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to help their, their kids. And um, so if you're out there listening and you're, you're looking, um, Covenant Eyes is a great product that really is focused on trying to help people um, work together to try to deal with these issues. So I want to encourage you with that. So um, Bridget and uh, Dr. Sanford, I just want to thank you so much for being on the program. I think it's an incredibly necessary and timely message. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sexualholocaust.org. Check it out. If you get more information about the book, equip yourself with the knowledge to be able to have a dialogue with your neighbors, with your coworkers, and show them how important this really is. Because people just can't connect the dots. They just don't think about this. They see what's immediately in front of them, but we need to see we we need to see the bigger picture of what's happening here. So, um, thanks for being with us today. We're going to be back again uh, next week with um, Stand to Reason, and we will be talking about. Um, how to reach young people specifically and uh, how the times have changed and what the best way is to train a young person up to become comfortable sharing their faith and talking about Jesus uh, to the people around them. So I hope you'll join me again next week. My website's educateforlife.org and uh, you can check out all kinds of uh, resources on there about creation, evolution, world religions, everything you can imagine to be able to help you build a firm foundation in your faith. So uh, thanks for being with us today. I hope you have a fantastic Friday and a great weekend. God bless you. We'll see you next time.